0: your weed, everyone. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Yeah, baby! How'd you like that little, brief little uh, like, preview? Oh, we're here. here we oh. are. No, we're not. We no, have an intro in. to do. Uh, so, we just want to thank some people who helped us out on Patreon. Let's do that right away. Okay. I'm to do it like immediately You're like,
1: we're done.
0: Bro- 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 bro. Joe Ferrone, P. Caudill,
1: Ferron.
0: Tom Gerald, or Gerald, Shane Bruner, Drew Bedronski, Margaret Campbell, and Chris Feringer. Those Thank people you. were so nice. They went to patreon.com woodwhisper mm-hmm. and helped us out. And who are we? We're the people who do the morning show. Yeah. I'm Mark. And I'm Nicole. And we're going to talk a little bit about woodworking. I'm doing things. I'm changing things up. You're
1: just messing with my whole world. I'm trying to mess it up. Like my world's (laughs) already been topsy-turvy. Things have to
0: happen in a certain order for Nicole. I
1: need consistency.
0: Yeah. Consistency.
1: Consistency.
0: (laughs) Or you could have consistency. whatever you're into. Whatever you're into. So uh, yeah, if you want to help out the show, you can do that too. Again, patreon.com slash woodwhisperer. And especially at a time like now. Uh, we certainly appreciate it, but uh, I would totally understand if we had zero new patrons at a time like I, this. I just
1: had a really nice patron email me, and uh, he's like, I'm sorry, I can't support you anymore. Mm. Um, and I'm like, dude, it's okay. Fair enough, <laughs> like, and no apologies needed. Yeah, please. no apologies needed. There at are better all.
0: places for uh, money these days, yep. I would say. Okay, so we've got some questions. And
1: all of, we lose all of our patrons. <laughs>
0: right, there we go. It's all right. We'll, we'll recover. We'll figure it out. Yeah,
1: we'll figure it out.
0: So we got a lot of questions here pre-selected from Patreon. And Nicole's going to get the rest of the questions directly from the YouTube chat room.
1: Hey, can I mention something real quick oh, since sure. I see Paramatic above me? Yeah. Uh, Paramatic and Jet have a huge sale going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> speaking of monies, 15% off all their tools and accessories. That's good. I don't even know if they did 15% at Christmas.
0: Isn't it like 10 usually if we're gonna usually do a percentage? 10. So fifteen is a pretty good discount if the, for that. I wonder
1: if the jet clamps are fifteen as well.
0: Yeah. Hmm. So
1: yeah, the, um, until the end of April, end of good this question. month. So there yeah. you go.
0: Uh, also a quick announcement about the nested table project that's beginning in the guild today. Uh, the first three videos. Thank come out. goodness,
1: because you have been stressed out all week.
0: <laughs> this week has been rough. I mean, I didn't think the whole, you know, this whole thing would affect us that much, you yeah. know, because we work from home. Uh, Everything we do is pretty much digital, Uh, but there were things that I got rolling before Jay left and before Mm -hmm. the, you know, uh, stay at home thingamajiggy. Uh, So things like templates, these are Mm -hmm. things that the ball is already rolling and now there's no one else here to to help me with it. So I'm like down in a dungeon packing (laughs) things up all day long. So uh, it's definitely been a little bit of a damper on my progress with what I was hoping to get accomplished this week. But you know what? At least we still have our health and everyone yeah. is uh, working mm-hmm. and getting paid.
1: W- working a lot. I'm very jealous of everybody's. like, oh. I have so much time. So bored. So I'm bored. I don't know what to do what with myself. What Netflix show will I binge today?
0: <laughs> I'm running out of Netflix content. It's
1: like, I'm like, oh, crying man, a river.
0: Man. There's people who have it a lot worse than you do. I'm not even talking about us. I'm, I'm not, talking I'm, about like, people who really they, have they, they, a tough time right but now. But
1: here's the thing. People, first
0: responders and all that
1: people stuff. People should never apologize for how they feel. No. I mean, it's there. It's, it's your,
0: it's your bubble bubble. Whatever happens in your bubble. <laughs> I'm just I'm, jealous.
1: I'm just jealous of your bubble.
0: <laughs> yeah. I would like to be in a boredom bubble I right now. I would love now. to. We're not there. Okay. Uh, you want to do some
1: questions? Hey, bubble? let's do some questions. Okie okay,
0: dokie. So I got one here from Jack. Ooh, Jack says, what have been, hold on. I'm going to make this text a little bit larger Ooh. so I can read it from I further away. I think you need glasses. What? That was like <laughs> 10 point text over here. Uh, What have been your experiences with hard flooring? Anything except carpet. And do you have any recommendations or warnings? I'm trying to figure out what will be low to no maintenance and pretty much last forever in a cold climate. And I want uh, hydronic radiant heating in the floors, but I'm pulling my hair out looking at all the choices for flooring. You know, a shop doesn't need anything really fancy. You could find, uh, you know, plywood. You'll see some people actually will use plywood, for flooring, basically subfloor, and then maybe put a nicer layer on it instead of like OSB or something like that. I don't have a whole lot of experience in that area. I did look into this stuff a few times. I know mm-hmm. when we moved here, we talked about putting down uh, a level floor and what that would do when we decided against it. Um, but generally speaking, having all the sleepers laid down on top of the concrete and then having the plywood on top of that, it opens up some possibilities, you know, for running power. Some people put dust collection in there if you can afford the loss in height. Uh, and there are advantages to be able to take, um, you know, a drill and remove some screws and access a section of the floor beneath that, that might be something that's attractive to you. So, uh, you know, for a shop, it just does not have to be anything too fancy. Now, if you want something that looks fancy, then you might go, lo- you know, looking at um, dealers of inexpensive flooring or like uh, B-stock flooring or something like that that uh, you can get a good price on. But that's going to cost a lot more money, a lot more in the install and a lot less in the way of like future upgradability or making changes if you have done things under the floor. So a lot to think about, a lot of choices there. And I can see why you'd be racking your brain over it because that is a tough choice if you are going for something like wood or, uh, you know, composite materials. So I don't know if I helped you there, Jack, but I I feel for you. Um, I got one here from Araya, Araya Woodworks. When building drawers, how do you decide the depth? Is there a standard depth or do you just pick a random depth based on what you want and need? Okay, so uh, I don't really think about it much. If if a lot of times a piece of furniture that has drawers in it, uh, there is a overall size that makes sense for it, right? Or a space that it's going to go in, right? So it can't be any bigger than this, has to fit in that space. That's your outer dimensions. And then you build from the outside in right? So there's really, the project itself is dictating the size of the drawers. There are times though where, you know, maybe you can make it as big or the the size doesn't matter that much. In that case, you probably just want to think about practicality. Sometimes an incredibly deep drawer doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. You know, it's very difficult to get to everything in the back or so much of the drawer, let's say you have like a full extension slide, so so much of the drawer is hanging out to almost make the piece unstable and, uh, you know, like a chest of drawers have potential to tip. So you got to be careful of that, too. But I would say 99% of the time it's dictated by the outer dimensions of the piece that I'm building.
1: Keith Keegan just did a super chat and said, you're probably sick of this topic.
0: Nope. We he love said, it. Yeah. Whatever it is. Uh,
1: whatever it is, we love it. Uh, but, you, but do you have a final-ish recommendation for chisels? I happen, what happened to the Japanese chisels? Uh, the Japanese
0: chisels were fine. I just wanted to change things up, which is something that I do once in a while. What did we do?
1: with? Did we auction those off? Uh,
0: we sold or, them. We yeah. I think it was part of the auction. Yeah. Or not part of the auction. That implies the charity. I, yeah. I think I just auctioned them oh, off. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we, we auctioned off a bunch of hand planes for the charity. Right,
0: yeah, yeah. So I auctioned them off. They went to a, a new home. And since then, I tried the Blue Spruce set of chisels that didn't pan out so well. I had some problems with the steel. Sent those back. Uh, and now I have the PMV 11 from Lee Valley. Lee Valley. The steel so far, so good. It's, it's definitely better and it's holding up to, you know, standard use, which is all I ask it to do. Uh, I didn't like the finish on the handles. It's something to be picky about. But sometimes when you spend that much money on a chisel, you think about these things. Uh, so I refinished the handles and now I kind of, I, I love them. But the fit and finish and weight and balance that you get with something like the Blue Spruce is a night and day difference. The PMV 11 chisels are great, but the handles are so light compared to the resin impregnated or infused uh, handles that they have on those blue spruce chisels. So, you know, a little bit of a catch 22 there, but to me, the steel is more important than the handle. Um, You know, if I was in the market today as someone who just didn't want to drop thousands of bucks on chisels, I'd probably go with those Stanley sweethearts. I've got a set of them over there that we bought. Uh, Someone had, I don't Mm -hmm. remember the guy's name. Nick, was it? Nick's mm. ringing a bell. Mm. Uh, someone had some chisels that were barely used, and it was oh, a full yeah, set yeah, of the yeah. Stanley I Sweethearts. Was, I think
1: it was Nick, yeah.
0: And they're pretty great, you know, for, what, for, for the price that you pay. They're not cheap either, um, but they're not like the super premium price range. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like them. So I think that's a pretty good buy right now.
1: So I got an email right before the show hey boy. from Mike at uh, Bear Creek High School. And he said, just a heads up. He had his uh, his high school business students pick a YouTube show, and they want he wants them to ask an original, engaging question. Oh Nothing off topic. Just a question that would uh, what it's like hosting a show, getting into. So we did get one. Uh, Olivia is in the chat room.
0: Olivia. <laughs> she Olivia. Says, Good
1: morning from Colorado, Bear Creek student. Uh, Very cool. When you guys do. Uh, did your woodworking business is it easy to turn a profit or is the cost of materials high in many cases is this a good business to be in
0: no it's not (laughs) Sorry,
1: Olivia. (laughs) We're going to be hard truth on this one. Uh,
0: Well, there's a difference between what we do and a woodworking business. If we're talking about a traditional brick and mortar business that has rent to pay, has clients to acquire, has estimates to put out, and has to compete with other local businesses, that's a very different thing than what Nicole and I do here. Uh, Our content, or I'm sorry, our business is 100% around education and content. This is part of our business. Uh, a lot of times we do things not for direct revenue, but indirect revenue. So we do this show. No one is paying us to do this show, but we have a Patreon campaign. Mm-hmm. We have affiliates. We have all those things, sometimes an advertiser on the show. So that's how we uh, you know, derive revenue from this sort of uh, venture that we do. Uh, but if you're making furniture for a living, it's not impossible. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people in the chat room right now who do it. It's difficult, and you have to be very... You have to think on your feet, you have to find your niche, Mm, you have to be in an area that wants what you can provide, right? So if you're in an area where no one has a budget for custom furniture, well then you can make the most beautiful furniture in the world, but it's just going to sit there and no one's going to buy it.
1: I never told you this story. Uh, So I grew up in rural Missouri. I did not know this. And there were a couple of woodworkers in the area that they created these um, massive log signs of uh, your last name. Okay. They were everywhere.
0: I would need a big log to do my last name. <laughs> you would,
1: but that's that's a good example <laughs> of yeah. a very uh, I, I don't want to say poor area, but just a, a, it's a rural area. It so yeah. But he found his niche. Sure. The other thing that cropped up, were these um, wooden cutouts of big butts. Like
0: the gardening ones, right? Where it's a lady bending over. It's a <laughs> it's lady like a, it's
1: bending a lady <laughs> over. <laughs> You'd see these everywhere. And I'm like, who is making this? But there was a woodworker. Somebody's making a killing. That was his niche. And he would just sell, sell, sell those things. And
0: something like that, you could really batch those out. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're made with plywood. Put a little paint on them. Yeah. And they're done. And he would have to be able to batch them right. out because... Who's going to pay a lot of money for that? Right. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. So you know. So overall, though, I would say it certainly is possible, but it is a difficult thing. I think um, a lot of people neglect the business side mm-hmm. of things. So if you have an, uh, just a general understanding of how to run a business, uh, what you know, where to invest your money, how much to invest in marketing, um, things like that, there's a lot of woodworkers who don't have that knowledge, but they just know that they're a good woodworker and they make good mm-hmm. stuff. But unfortunately, that's not enough to run a successful business. The-
1: When we first started the business, his mentor, David Marks, told him, try to have as many balls in the air as possible. He said, Mark,
0: you gotta have balls. (laughs) You gotta have lots of balls. No,
1: like a teaching. Veneer. Yeah, you're teaching, Mm -hmm. you're selling, uh, we were selling burl and veneer. We were doing custom, uh, custom stuff. You have to be diversified. And very diversified, because at he, least
0: at least initially.
1: Yeah, because he said, if one <laughs> falls, yeah. you still have the other two kind of sustaining you. Right. So the idea is to try to do as much as you can with what you got.
0: Bill says, I'm not going to try and make a living selling squirrel picnic tables. <laughs> I love when things like that go around. Like suddenly, I've got ten people sending me I
1: make one, pictures we of squirrels. Have, like, we have lots of squirrels in the back. That yeah, would be hilarious. They're, they're jerks. They are, but it would they would tease be, the dogs. They would. It would be. I want to see a squirrel picnic table. Okay, let's the, make it. one. We'll make it out of popsicle sticks.
0: Okay. Um, if you have other questions from from those, mm-hmm. what are they? High school? Kids?
1: They're in high school. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Awesome. Here in Colorado.
0: Sweet. Okay, so I'm going to go to Chris's question. If you're looking the, uh, blah, 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 at both new or used market. For a second bandsaw, strictly for making curved cuts, uh, would you have any must-haves? It seems like any run-of-the-mill 14-inch bandsaw with 6-inch resaw should be up to the task. And uh, let's see. If he was worried about accuracy and straight cuts, he could fall into a bigger bandsaw. I think you're right, Chris. I think, you know, if you go for bottom of the barrel, sometimes the really inexpensive bandsaws can just be a bear to, to tune up. And if you're cutting curves, you know, Usually we think of the bandsaw being problematic for cutting nice straight lines and resaws, but if it's still not tracking properly and you're trying to follow a curved line, that's really difficult on a really crappy saw. So I wouldn't go bottom of the barrel, but yeah, generally anyone, like go look at the Powermatic, the Jet, the Delta, the Grizzly 14 inch bandsaw. Anything that kind of looks like that and is from a brand name you recognize, it's probably gonna be fine as a second bandsaw. Uh, you could change the tires, you could do a, you know change the blade, you could even change the guides if you want to. Uh, and that could be a nice boost to performance. But ultimately, I don't think you have to go too nuts on something like that. Excuse me, if especially if it's just dedicated to curve cuts.
1: Uh, Chad M says, making rabbits on a router table with a straight bit, do I need to worry about getting both sides of the fence exactly the same distance from the bit, or if I get the right side correct, would it be good?
0: Well, your router bit is a circular center point. So let's think of it like that. Your fence can be, and I'm assuming, I don't know if you have a two-sided fence, like a a split fence or if it's a single, but you could have that fence anywhere at all. As long as the distance between the bit and the fence at that point of the bit is what you need it to be, it's going to be fine, right? Uh, you do want to make sure if it is a split fence that those two are parallel. You want them to be a nice straight line across, but you can go in any angle you want and as long as you're going from right to left as you go across that bit, it's going to be perfectly fine. That's one of the things about router tables I think can be confusing to people. They think they need to be perfectly, this fence needs to be squared to the table and if it's at all cockeyed, it won't work and it's like it doesn't work that way with a circular bit. You could be on a 45 degree angle and still get a perfect result Uh, you know, as long as everything is set up properly. (laughs) All right. I've got one here from, let's see, Benjamin Bodner, Dr. Ben Bodner, uh, Esquire. He says, I know staining wood really comes down to personal preference, but I'm looking for some direction. I'm using the, or uh, building the grandfather clock in cherry. Would you stain this or leave it au naturel? If stained, can you point me in the right direction for a color to start with? You know, I... I don't like to stain cherry if I don't have to. Cherry's just one of those woods that's beautiful on its own. I was just washing the cherry spatula this morning. Mm. And, you know, it gets a lot of exposure. It's obviously it's a spatula, so it gets washed and cleaned. It's still in pretty great shape for what it is. But that dark cherry, the natural dark cherry color is so nice. And it's it's Mother Nature that did that. I feel like if you're using cherry, it's just, it just kind of stinks to put stain on it. Mm-hmm. So you can, mm-hmm. if you want something mm-hmm. <laughs> you want something really dark, go for it, man. You could do it. And I'm, I'm not even going to go down the route of options for that because I want to push you toward leaving it alone. It may not look amazing when it's first done, but when you apply the finish and within a year... I think you're going to be happy with your choice. It's going to darken up really, really nicely. And then you don't have to worry about stain and all that garbage. It's just the way the wood works. Uh, You could hit the wood. i got a video on this too. (laughs) You could hit the wood with a little bit of baking soda if you want to. Um, Look up my video on that. And you can kind of speed up that process and darken it a little bit. Uh, If you can put it in a place where there's a lot of sun, uh, once it's fully assembled, you can darken it that way a lot faster too. So... Okay, that was Ben's question.
1: Ben, Corey.
0: Did you need me to do something? No, I was just
1: making sure you had Joe's question because he had messaged it to me. All
0: right, yep, three down from here. Yep. Corey says, have you ever dealt with any sound deadening in your shop? I have an 11-month-old daughter and her nursery is partially above my garage shop, so it's tough to run my dust collection and large power tools while she's napping and sleeping. Everything is fully insulated and finished, but I need a little extra absorption on the ceiling. Any recommendations for what to use? So I have done a little bit of sound control in the shop, um, but we have to define sort of like the differences between soundproofing and then sound absorption. So if you put absorptive materials in the shop, there are ceiling panels that you could put on. You could put stuff on the walls. We do a lot of that. That cuts down on echo inside the space. Makes it a more pleasant space to work in, but it doesn't really do anything for sound waves traveling through into other rooms, especially you know, uh, sounds from like the power tools. A lot of times the power tools are also touching the ground, which then touches the wall and you can get sort of vibrations that go through the structure. Uh, The best way to get isolation, or sorry, the best way to get the soundproofing is actual isolation. So you, you need space for these things to happen. So people who get really deep into soundproofing are going to do multiple layers of things with an airspace between them, uh, double drywall with green glue between them. This is all stuff from like my home theater um, research that I've done in the past that that comes to you know make sense in woodworking as well. Um, but I don't know that there's a whole lot you can do outside of maybe installing a drop ceiling inside the space to prevent the sound waves from transferring through and getting into the other rooms without doing a lot more work, right? Soundproofing is... Not as easy as a lot of people think it is. Mm. Um, I know, let's see, Andy did some stuff in his basement to try to get a little bit more soundproofing. And he he had more plans, but what he had done already was pretty effective. So go to Andy Klein's YouTube channel and try to find the videos he did when he moved to the Denver area. He did some work in his basement and used a couple different products on like the HVAC um, uh, ducting and things like that to help prevent some of that vibration from traveling through the house and and, you know just kind of being a a nuisance everywhere so but you know do some research on this don't just put panels up in the shop and expect that to be the hail mary that kind of saves you from uh, sound issues getting into the rest of the house it's just not just not easy unfortunately Mm -hmm. what he said yep you like all this don't you (laughs) Yeah, where am I? Oh, there it is. Okay, you, want, you got another question or you want me to get next question?
1: Uh, you can get next question. Are, you want me to read it?
0: I was just looking for a drink of water, okay. that's all. <laughs> Thanks for hooking me up. Sorry. Uh, Nick says, what sort of woodworking techniques or sub-hobbies have you found most interesting and most challenging to add to your own unique skill set? What sort of new techniques are you looking to pick up or bring to the guild in the future? Nick thinks I'm very organized, Nicole. You are. Not to that level. <laughs> like, what, what skills am I looking to bring to the guild? I don't know haven't thought about it. Um, I'm just looking to survive right now. <laughs> We're
1: treading. I can say that the
0: CNC is something that has, has been a skill set that I'm learning a lot about. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's necessarily, necessarily going to be of benefit to the guild or any of my videos. But as a personal thing, it's been interesting to dive into that world, see how it works, playing well, with the software.
1: Yeah, I think because it has. I mean, you've always been a techie. And interested in technology, yeah. So it kind of—it's of, a good fit. It's an interesting mix.
0: And also, it broadened my horizons a little bit. Had, mm-hmm. Kind of gave me a little bit of an appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not building my projects with it necessarily. But you know, it, it's serving its purpose for sure. That's true. Um, but you know, a lot of times, Nick, the unique skill sets come with guest instructors, and I do like to add to my own skill sets. But that process is slow, painfully slow, because of the type of business we run. Um, so sometimes it's just easier. Let's say we wanted to build a boat. I'm probably not going to fuddle through that myself. I'm going to go to someone who knows how to build a damn boat, and we're going to document it and show you how to do it, and then I could learn at that same time.
1: Uh, Joe <clears throat> Coffey says, as an acoustic consultant for a number of years, I can say Mark is spot on with his assessment of sound. Aha! <laughs> he knows a thing or two, Nicole. I thought you would like that. Yeah,
0: that's good. Now I listen to a lot of home theater Podcasts. Um, one of my favorite ones uh, is uh, the HT guys and HT guys um, and AV Rant, and especially the guys on AV Rant. They answer soundproofing questions mm-hmm. all the time, and it's always like kind of the same answer. Uh, people have to understand the difference between the, the transference of sound through a wall versus just calming down the sound within a space. Well, uh,
1: is it Aria on HT guys? ara Aura. So he's he <coughs> got into woodworking. Ara is
0: a woodworker. Yeah. So He's, uh, over Oc- the
1: years, you've you've slowly broken uh, yeah, him yeah. down to come to woodworking. Yeah, I kept,
0: I kept giving him voicemails, like <laughs> it's Mark from the Wood Whisperer. I do cool things over here. <laughs> Hi, uh, but I yeah, Rar like is uh, OC Reclaimed Treasures ah. on Instagram. If you want to follow, uh, it's funny because it's it's just about woodworking. There's no home theater uh, on his account, but
1: reclaimed it's, it's treasures. Cool. OC
0: reclaimed treasures, ah. and it's on Instagram. He makes cutting boards, and he does uh, speaker builds oh, as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty I cool. Know. Okay, where am okay, I? Okay, where are you? Joe says, greetings, Mark. Just in case this didn't make the question list, I wanted to ask, what was your first commissioned piece, and how did it turn out? I, I like this question. <laughs> the first commissioned piece was the, the second bookcase.
1: Yes, that one, your mom's a friend. A friend of my mom
0: said, oh, that looks nice. I don't know what the hell she was thinking because it was awful. The one I made for my mom mom. that she saw, she liked and wanted to pay me to build another one, Uh, which is
1: cuckoo. And it was a, um, it was like a Santa Fe. Yeah, we
0: were in Arizona at the time, so it's kind of had that little step down at the top on the top rail. It was the second one that I built for her, way better. Like I learned a lot on that first build and the second one came out, I was much more proud of it. The first one doesn't exist anymore because it was that bad. Yeah, you
1: know, um, we don't have a picture of the first one, but I do have a picture in the second one, and it's, since you're uh, a patron, you have access to it. Oh, that's right. You put up I my put, old project. I put up his old project. It's,
0: it's a it's a picture of me <coughs> pumping it, actually.
1: It's called Throwback Friday.
0: <laughs> it's what I used to do to my furniture yeah, when I was done yeah, with it. I was yeah, so proud. Yeah.
1: There it is. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Hey, you know, Oh, that's awesome.
0: I'm just uh, true to myself. That's <laughs> so all I
1: I'll, I'll put a link uh, in, the, in the chat for the Patreon <laughs>
0: posts. <laughs> it was good stuff.
1: Oh, that makes me laugh.
0: Tony Tang says, I used wipe-on poly on a plywood piece. I sanded the whole thing after two to three coats. A couple days later, the plywood veneer is still smooth, but some of the iron-on edge banding and exposed plywood layers became rough. What's going on? Also, what's the best way to edge a curvy piece Uh, such as acute angles? And I know, I know Marsha probably, but the guy I should be asking questions. I I think you might have misspelled something because I'm confused by that. Anyways, (laughs) as far as the roughness goes, you know, the iron on edge banding, it's a very thin veneer and then a layer of glue. It's just different material and not all materials are going to respond the same way to the same finish treatment. So if it feels a little bit rough, that's just the way the grain is responding on that iron-on stuff. So you're probably going to want to give that a light sanding. And uh, obviously you got to be careful how much you work it. That iron-on stuff is kind of fragile. Um, But that's just what happens sometimes. I mean, if you just do solid uh, edge banding on a piece of plywood, a lot of times you're going to get different results on the flat plywood layer versus that little piece of trim just because it's different materials. So it, it just is what it is. Um, As far as curvy stuff, I don't do much edge banding, um, let alone on curved pieces. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of tricks to it depending on the severity of the curve and how tight that radius is but if it's iron on stuff, you know, you got that flexibility. It's when you go a little bit thicker that that tends to be a lot more difficult but I haven't really done a whole lot of that so I don't have great tips and tricks for for that process unfortunately.
1: (laughs) Uh, I do have a couple super chats here if uh, YouTube would decide to display them for me.
0: I got a question from Charles Masters. He has two questions. Uh, here's the deal. Charles, These the, both of his questions have to do with Rubio Monaco. Yeah. Both of these questions are answered on the giant video on the homepage of The Wood Whisperer. There you go. So go to thewoodwhisperer.com. Right there on the homepage is a giant video. You can't miss it. It was the latest one we did. And that will answer both of your questions. That is a great video. Thank you. You should watch it. I appreciate it.
1: I need to get up on Amazon, though. I, I think I'm behind a couple episodes. Yeah.
0: Did you, see, you guys see that the, uh, the Wood Whisperer got a little makeover?
1: Oh, yeah, the website. Yeah,
0: <laughs> We have stopped announcing uh, website launches like that because I remember the one time we did it, we got DDoSed. Oh, remember that, right? Like it was yeah. right after a launch and y- you don't even want to talk. You're right. We oh, shouldn't talk so. about it. It's just as bad luck. Uh. Um, but since then, if we have a website launch, we just do it. And then if there's bugs, we squash them as people tell us about them. But we don't make a big deal about website launches. Uh, It's been there now for like a week or two. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, go
1: check it out. Got a super chat here from Chase Moore. Domino stand ideas? Question mark.
0: Uh, Buy one from, uh, what's his name? Ramon Valdez. He makes them? He makes a domino. He calls it the domino dock, I believe. Oh, neat. Uh, So you basically... Put the domino in this thing, and now you can address the domino almost like it's in a fixed. Well, almost it oh, is. It is in one. a fixed position, and you could run your parts over it like that. Um, so, if what's you he, uh,
1: what's his? Is it is that his website right no, there? That's no, that's
0: Sen- so Seneca made an adapter thing that goes along with it. It's like a fence that combines with his. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Somewhere over there it says
1: uh, Ramon.
0: You'll probably find social posts. And then that will link to it. Gotcha. And I've got his card over there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, look it up. He makes a great one. You could just buy from him. I think if you look at it oh, there hard, it is. Is this it? Well, that's in a forum.
1: Yeah, but that's. Yeah,
0: there's his. There's the link. I'll put his up. link
1: because the link is hard. To, oh. oh, no, his site, it can't be reached. Okay,
0: we'll go to the homepage of his oh, site. Weird. See if you can find it. But it's Ramon Valdez RamonValdezFineFurniture.com. So you'll probably find it there.
1: Anyway, you could
0: look at it and a lot of people could probably just build one themselves if they wanted to. I don't Um, don't like how that's looking. Oh, it's a Bitdefender warning. Yeah, Ramon. Okay, Ramon. Ramon, what's going on? on? We're trying to sell your stuff here, dude. (laughs) What you doing? Yeah, that's that's not good. Look it up. Look at the pictures. And uh, unless you want, you know, to have your computer taken over by hackers.
1: Well, I'm going to go to his Instagram. (laughs) Build it yourself. I'll go to his Instagram page. Yeah, see what he's linking to. He must have changed uh, something. That's a bummer. his is Ramon Art for his uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. oh, Art, Artful. Artful. So, weird. Yeah, that Man. is odd.
0: Okay, well, right. it is what it is. Mike Davies says, in Danish oil, teak oil and tongue oil, are they all pretty much the same thing? Been using them kind of interchangeably and they all seem to act pretty similarly. Uh, all our oil-based varn, or sorry, are all the oil-based varnishes just different amounts of the same stuff? go in a can. Maybe I'm just not experienced enough to recognize the subtleties here. Um, Mike, you identify one of my biggest frustrations in finishing is nomenclature. Um, Just saying Danish oil, teak oil, and tung oil means nothing. Um, You can generally, okay, let's say this. What it it means across the board is it's going to be oil-based, most likely. It's probably going to have some varnish or resin content in it. And then whether it actually has oil in it or just thinner is up for debate. And what the ratios and combinations are, it depends on the product. So I don't think there even is these days a running definition of what that material is. You have to look at the can, look at the, um, what is it? They call it SDS now, not MSDS? I don't SDS do you're sheet. talking about. Uh, and look at the back of the can. There's a lot you could learn by reading the application and dry time instructions. Uh, but you have to look deeper. You can't just trust the label. It depends. Danish oil in one brand is a very different product than Danish oil in another brand. But generally speaking, when you're talking about things like Danish oil, tongue oil, um, teak oil, you're usually, my expectation is that we're talking about something that's going to have a longer dry time. It might have some resin in it, but it's also going to have oil in it. And that oil is what makes it take longer to dry. It's not just like a thinned poly. But the problem is, go buy a can of tongue oil finish. I think Formby's might be a good example. Um, a tongue oil finish that's actually just diluted varnish. It's a wipe on poly, essentially. So it gets real confusing. <clears throat> Bob Flexner has an article on the Pop Woodworking blog. So I think if you Google something like uh, oil-based fin or I forget what it is, like wipe on poly versus oil-based finish, or something like that, um, there's a great article where he actually talks about the specific brands and which ones are oil varnish blends.
1: Master um, the wipe on. Nope. No. Mm. Go oil oil varnish no oil mm. varnish
0: blends versus oh. something. <laughs> I love the live troubleshooting. <laughs> we well, do here.
1: you're talking, so I'm I'm searching. I know. All right. Well. All right.
0: Well, anyways, it's an article you could find, and there's a lot of info on which brands are just diluted varnish and which ones are actually some kind of a blend. So.
1: What's, uh, is for Pop Woodworking?
0: It's on the Pop Woodworking blog. Okay. Yeah. And then oh. my article on making one. <laughs>
1: yeah, I saw that. Yours came up third.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, Ben's got a question. Ben! On refinishing. I don't, I'm going to tell you right now I don't have a good answer but I'm going to read it anyway. Oh,
1: not, we're going to do it and just muddle through it. We're
0: going we're to figure it out, Ben. <laughs> uh, not everything has clean, crisp connections that you can just get a flat scraper in. Inevitably, there is some piece of detail work that is a bit more of a pain. How do you work with stripping pieces to get them ready to be refinished? Are there any techniques, pieces of equipment, etc. that we should look into? Is it um, more of a tiny piece of sandpaper and hate your life type situation? Also, even when the piece is just clean, crisp joints, what are your recommendations? I have a, a good friend asking me to help refinish a few things in her house and could use some tips. I hate refinishing. I hate it.
1: Yeah, he doesn't It's not the worry. worst.
0: Uh, even the simple things, like a simple door with just a couple basic, you know, and raised And everybody panels. has
1: opinions about it too. Oh, sure. Oh my gosh.
0: Just getting into those little, you know, eighth inch reveals where it drops down or a quarter inch reveal where it kind of drops down to the panel. Getting that in there and just getting all the, the paint or whatever else is on there without damaging the wood that's underneath it, it's a royal pain. And I, a lot of times I try to scrape as much as I can. So I'll get like a, you know, a paint scraper. Um, one of those deals with a handle on it. So you just take a file and you can kind of burnish it to get that That really, it's a very rough burr. Don't think like fine woodworking burr. Think we're just trying to scrape this crap off of there. And big, big strokes like that, you could pull most of it off because I don't want to work with the stripper material. Some of that stuff is just so nasty. You want to work with stripper? I don't want to work with strippers, Nicole. <laughs> they always ask me for once. not I don't even carry cash. But... <laughs> It's high schools watching. Yeah, yeah, here. yeah, yeah high schools <laughs> are But you know, you can kind of get most of it off of the flat surfaces, and then that's that much less chemical nonsense that you have to deal with. Um, but once you get into those detailed areas, a lot of times you have no choice but to use some kind of a chemical stripper. And then you have to just use things like card scrapers, um, brass brushes. Uh, nah, that's
1: not a good video. No, nah,
0: I mean, the DIY refinishing video is video number three. Three. It's early. It's really early. And I show some techniques in there, but I've had so many people watch that who are restoration people. Yeah, yeah. You
1: killed that furniture.
0: (laughs) Giving me so much crap. I'm like, (laughs) look, dude or dudette, there's a difference between restoring a piece of furniture and trying to maintain some value of an antique versus a customer said, we hate this color. We want to use this in our kitchen. We're going to
1: throw it in the trash if you don't. It's
0: either we refinish it or we throw it away. And then my goal is to get all of the old color off and make it look like something that they want in their house. Right. It's a very different thing. That's yeah. a much more aggressive process where I have more freedom to do whatever the heck I want to do with it. So there are some tips and tricks in that video. But again, refinishing was the bane of my existence. Mm-hmm. And it was something that actually did help me when we were trying to run the business, but I hated it.
1: You worked in a refinishing <coughs> shop where he had a dip tank oh. where he just would the guy would just dip.
0: The stuff we did in that shop.
1: Oh, my God.
0: With the, like, environmental. Like, I don't even know how any of that was approved.
1: I'm sure it wasn't. It was because he bought that business from a really old uh, refinisher. Mm-hmm. And he had these processes already There's in place. There's just stuff
0: going on in that place. <laughs> I was like, this can't be okay. Is this, are we allowed to do this? This can't be okay. <laughs> oh, oh, my boy. gosh. Okay. Well, speaking of chemicals, Steve wants to know, how do you dispose of your chemicals, cleaners, old finishes, et cetera? Okay, I don't usually have to dispose of cleaners. I mean, most of the time I I buy what I need and then I use it up. And once it's gone, I buy more. Uh, If you have a liquid, dangerous chemical, you're going to have to find local disposal sites. Sometimes in neighborhoods, they have hazardous pickups. Um, I think we even had one here or something where like once a year, they'll have in the neighborhood a place where you could drop off hazardous materials, old paint and things like that. So you definitely want to dispose of those properly. If you have finish, let's say you just got an old can of poly that started to cure a little bit and you want to get rid of it, uh, take the lid off or put it in a shallow pan and just let it harden. Um, once, it, once it hardens, then you could dispose of the resin and regular trash. Um, and you know, and I was worried about that initially when, I don't remember where it was, might have been here. Uh, how do you dispose of the liquid finishes when when they're starting to go bad, you can't use them anymore? And I talked to someone, I can't remember who I called, but it was a local waste disposal place. And they said for things like that, it's best to just let them cure and then throw away the resin in the, yeah. the regular trash. Hmm. And that that's not, like, unless you're producing insane amounts of this waste, yeah. it's not something that's much of a factor.
1: Interesting. Yeah,
0: that's, that was the advice I was given.
1: Very, very <clears> interesting. <throat> I just wanted to uh, say thank you to uh, Kevin Wixson. He made me a 3D printed um, bias tape oh
0: you were talking about that so
1: the way that i do my my mask is i use fabric for the straps but i have to take the fabric and i have to fold it with my fingers and my (laughs) these two fingers are so sore now because i'm always like going and i'm ironing i'm doing this so he made me one thank you it hasn't come yet i'm sure it'll come later on today so i'm very excited to to get that i know somebody has a 3d printer
0: (laughs) We probably know a lot of people with 3D printers. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Tommaso says, domino question for Nicole's husband. What's your process for gluing up dominoes? Do you paint it on the mortise or on the domino? Do you splooge it into the mortise? uh, Even it out with a brush? Okay. I I do different things depending, Tommaso. Sometimes if I'm just using a dominoes to help align a panel, I don't care about glue. I'm going to put glue on the edge so that the boards coming together have plenty of glue, but I don't worry about the dominoes. Uh, If I have time, I might put a little bit into the mortise and just let it catch what it catches. Uh, When I'm actually using it for real deal joinery, the ideal situation is a little bit in the mortise and a little bit on the tenon. And inevitably, when I push that tenon down, get a little bit of squeeze out on the top. So sometimes... What's that? Notifications.
1: You you finish a circle already?
0: Nope. Nope. It's actually our thing blocking a phishing attempt on someone's computer in the house.
1: What? I'll talk to you about a oh no! It's a whole
0: thing. Oh, <clears throat> our God. kids are spending money right now on our, our credit oh, cards. Jesus. So,
1: the heck was I saying? I don't know. Oh, so,
0: <laughs> you push the domino in. So, a lot of times, I actually only have to put glue on half the domino. So, I pop that into the mortise, the glue comes up, then I grab my glue brush and I drag that glue up on the rest of the domino. And it's kind of a more efficient way to go uh, as opposed to trying to paint the entire domino, pop it in place. So, that, that's one of the tricks that I do.
1: I, I kind of <clears> like. Uh, you being referred to as Nicole's husband,
0: I'm sure you do. It's not incorrect. <laughs> I know. Uh, Stumptown Woodworks. This is my last question. Okay. I have here. Actually, have more. No, Nicole, this is.
1: That's I'm your do- last question, but I have more. No, I'm done. I'm
0: done. <laughs> if your shop were only a two-car garage, 22 by 24 or so, would it still? Uh, would you still hard pipe a dust collector? Moving it from tool to tool sounds terrible, but currently I move things around in the shop often, depending on the size of the project. Nine foot dining tables are not unheard of or would you compromise and try to keep a table saw stationary pipe it to and put drops on one of the walls that you can connect only when you need to it's keeping a wide open space that I'm struggling with in deciding whether to hard pipe the DC system yeah you know what I you bring up a valid point once the shop gets to a small enough size ducting becomes a little bit more questionable even you're asking about my situation i would still put the piping in because i'm not moving my stuff around you sound like you have a mobile setup in which case duct work isn't necessarily as you know helpful for your situation it sounds like you do need a mobile solution a good compromise you just brought it up yourself a good compromise is having a drop that's kind of or, or maybe a couple of drops that are just kind of like um they're the locations that can be used for multiple things. So maybe you have a 10 or 12 foot flex hose attached to that, that you just kind of wind up when you're not using and attach to the tools as needed. That's certainly an option. I would find that more pleasing to work with than a roll around dust collector. Um, But again, for me personally, I like to have my setup pretty static. I don't want things to move any more than they have to. So my table saw, my bandsaws, these things aren't really moving. So I need those drops, even in a small space. I would do that. When we were in um, Arizona, mm-hmm. we moved into the smaller shop. I actually did do a little bit of uh, duct duct work in there. I mean, it's it was tight, but I don't move my stuff around very often.
1: Yeah, Robert Price did a nice super chat. He mm-hmm. says, "For whatever method you can legally get coffee right now, and that is, we brew at home legally. <laughs> legally, we brew it. home. <clears throat> and still serving. I drove by Duncan yesterday. You we were
0: like, tempted, weren't you? Oh, God, I
1: want a, a of coffee. <laughs> I know
0: it's it's tempting. I've thought about it too. It's just, so we're, that, we're,
1: that's the rule we decided to do for ourselves. We, Everybody's We drew a different. line in the sand, yeah, and so. that's
0: where our line is. Yeah,
1: Until May, probably. <coughs> all right. Just it with this coffee. <laughs> it's still good. And, <laughs> and I'm getting to use all my wonderful coffee mugs. This is my Colorado coffee mug yeah. from Starbucks. Yeah, it's
0: fine. It's this coffee. Is, and
1: this is a beautiful mug that I made you. Oh, yeah, one with Christmas. the kids on it. Yeah.
0: It says family.
1: Yeah, I got that on family St- Snapfish or something like that. It says like Family. That. Family. all right we got a question here from andy he said at the beginning of the show hey mark i got a really great deal on lumber at my local box store Would they need to get rid of because a lot was warped is there an easy way to straighten it so can i do some glue ups no planer
0: point to this question real quick
1: right here up here (laughs) he basically got a lot of warped lumber and he wants to know how it can be salvaged
0: i don't straighten warped lumber yeah You know, by force.
1: Do you do... It's going to go back to the warp.
0: It can. It can. You're fighting nature at that point. A lot of times, that's why we mill the wood, to put it into a new shape, and then hopefully it stays that way. Uh, But if... Generally speaking, I avoid really warped stuff because it just tends to want to be what it is. He says,
1: can he do some glue-ups? No planer. I mean, you... yeah. Ultimately, what I think you probably
0: want to use that stock for is smaller stuff. Mm. Because if you got a big warped piece, but you cut it into small sections, you effectively reduce the amount of distortion and warp that are that's happening if you are taking it in small pieces. So if I did have a good an opportunity to get somewhat warped material at a really good price, that's what I would do. I would be holding on to that not for big projects, but just for smaller projects where that warp can be reduced by making the pieces smaller. And there, I don't know, man, there might be tricks for, for somehow hitting it with moisture and clamping it into a certain position to try to get the warp out, but that doesn't sound like a fun way to go that, at all. And I don't know that it would work that well either.
1: Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to bump up this question uh, from it up, it up. <laughs> Con- Connell, right? He says, uh, My kids want to know if you've ever used a tiny spoke shave for anything. So his kids are watching. And a I tiny do. spoke shave? A tiny spoke shave. Like,
0: well, I have full yeah, size. But little,
1: you, don't you have a little tiny one? No.
0: I got a full-size spokeshave.
1: It's kind of small. <laughs> I
0: don't know. I mean, it's, it's a regular-size yeah. yeah. shave,
1: But not a tiny one. I've
0: never had an opportunity to do use they make a tiny ti- spokeshave. Do shave. they
1: make tiny spokeshave? Well, Lee Valley too? probably does. Lee Valley has a for whole like, line kids? of miniatures. Is it, like, for kids? No,
0: it's, like, for people who want small tools. Oh. I think they actually have a fully functioning line of miniatures. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chairo. Lee but Valley? But I'm pretty sure they do, yeah.
1: Miniature. Oh, look. Yeah, they do.
0: They've got all kinds of little tiny things. Oh my
1: god, they're so cute!
0: Oh, they're adorable.
1: They're little, teeny tiny things. Why is everything, when it's so small, so cute?
0: Because I don't know. What is with that? Because their eyes get bigger?
1: Uh, (laughs) We need to watch that movie where. the people decide to shrink themselves. Matt Damon is like tiny. Honey, I shrunk the kids. No, it's not Honey I Shrunk. The, which is coming back, by the way. R- Rick Moranis is, is it? From, yeah, he's coming out of retirement. I more. think we
0: could all use a little more Rick Moranis. I would in our love lives.
1: some Rick Moranis. Let's be honest. Oh, that's cute. Uh, all right, we got more questions over here. We got a question from Renstar. What was the clamp with the wide registration surface that you used in the guild video to cut the miters?
0: Huh? What in the hell? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? What's, what just happened? <laughs> I have no
1: idea what you're talking oh,
0: about. What? Clamp with the wide registration. It, so you,
1: we did the we did the preview party, the watch party. Uh, Is he talking about that? I, he must be. I would think so. <clears throat> with the wide registration surface that you used.
0: I use the Merrill clamp. I was going to say,
1: maybe the Merrill clamp. But that's
0: not a wide registration surface.
1: Yeah. Renstar, if you could give us a little bit more. If you're
0: talking about the preview night that we just did last night, I used the MLCS Merrill clamp, mm-hmm. which is a strap clamp. Maybe that's what he's
1: talking about. Um, that's know. what I'm thinking. Uh, I don't know. All right, next question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. You got one from Sandra. Oh, Sandra. Well, I'll answer it. Uh, she has a question for me. Um, have you made any masks? I've been making them and donated them to nursing homes where my daughter works? Yes, I've been making masks. It takes a lot out of me because I'm juggling work, uh, school kids
0: oh did you get it? Yep so he's talking so yes, about I'm making them. he's talking about a clamp that I use to hold. It didn't really have a wide registration surface so much. It just had a flat metal surface, which I felt was a little bit more safe for a a cut that was near the blade. It's the uh, MatchFit clamps from Microjig. Mm, And I don't really... The MatchFit system is cool because you could make jigs and stuff with a dovetail slot and then you could just... These clamps just work perfectly with it. Um, I haven't really... I really didn't dive into that world, but I still have the clamps. Is that, is that? That's it.
1: Okay. I'll put them in our Amazon store. Yeah.
0: So, but they are good clamps, especially if you dive into the world of utilizing them on your jigs and fixtures and stuff like that. But I really just needed something that was low profile, had a good grip and was nice, hard metal. And those little match fit clamps were perfect for that. So So
1: if you head on over to amazon.com slash shop slash the wood whisperer, I have a category called Friday live. I've just added them to you. Oh, I got a kid. We got a visitor. Hi, Ava. Yeah. You want oh, chips? chips. <clears throat> yeah, okay, I'll give you some chips. Hold on.
0: She's standing there in her underwear.
1: So you can read uh, My Scott Dales.
0: What's the next one after that?
1: And then Oscar. In so order? it just, yeah, all okay. oh, in order.
0: Here, you know what you can do?
1: You want some more coffee?
0: Of course I do. All right. Thank you. I'll
1: get you I appreciate chips. it.
0: Okay, Michael says, <laughs> Michael Stockdale says, I'm building a table for my big green egg. Yes! Out of. Ipe decking material, five quarter by six. Is it possible to glue Ipe or do I have to screw the entire project together? Ipe is so hard. It is, it is hard. I've never worked with Ipe. What's up, Doug? How you doing, pal? I haven't worked with it much, but to my understanding, you should be able to glue it. You may want to look into um, polyurethane glue as an option. You may want to look into wiping your glue joints down once they're freshly milled a lot of these oily exotics need to be wiped down first with uh, you know something like denatured alcohol or acetone you want to get all that surface oil off and then you should be able to use like a type on 3 on there but to my to my knowledge you should be able to glue it based on that but this is an outdoor project uh, you know I don't see any reason why you couldn't also reinforce joints with screws if you have the opportunity to do that um, or drawboard pegs or something something a little bit additional <laughs> something in addition to the glue just because it's an outdoor project and it's holding a lot of weight um i've got a project coming up ooh, well as soon as i have time to do it um specifically for the big green egg i've got a uh, xl that needs to be put into a cart and i'm going to be building that so i'm looking forward to doing that yeah it is it's 10:20. it's uh that's chip time okay oscar says I've seen you use uh, different tabletop fasteners in past videos. Can you get Izzy skirt washers in Canada at the moment? Do you have a decisive... Oh, he says can't get Izzy skirt washers. Do you have a decisive um, preference? You know, I wish I had this question ahead of time because there was a gentleman who made an improved tabletop clip and he sent me some samples. They were in my office. Pretty sure I brought them in the shop somewhere, but we cleaned and I don't know where they are. Dang it. I'm going to have to go look in my email on this one, but it you know, was a really good solution. I think it was even better than the Izzy skirt washers. Easier to use than that. Dang it. I wish I had an answer for you, buddy, but sorry, I don't. Um, outside of the Izzy skirt washers, you've got classic figure eight fasteners if you want a hardware solution. And then, of course, you have shop-made buttons that you could always do. Um, and I've used that many times. It worked great. Okay. Doo-doo-doo. Brian Jones. When you had your Lee Nielsen planes, what made you go with a low angle smoother versus a traditional number four? You know, I just kind of got into the low angle world and a lot of people, you know, once you get into that, you kind of like it. Hold on, need a drink. The low angle is also bevel up. So when you have a bevel up, Plane. You've got the option to use different irons that are ground to different um, to different angles, and depending on the angle, you change how the tool addresses the wood. It can make uh, make it easier to plane highly figured woods or really kooky woods. The dogs are having a wrestling match. Let's let's see how many things can happen that Mark just acts like everything is normal, <laughs> like it's no distraction at all, no problem. Okay, settle down, Millie. Uh so yeah it's it's the bevel up format that makes things a little bit easier and look I'm not a hardcore hand plane user and I'm not I'm not too proud to admit that the bevel up concept being very smoother it's a simpler tool with fewer adjustments that appeals to me I really like that so between that and the versatility of being able to use a blade with a different uh ground angle on there to me makes the the low angle bevel up assortment of planes uh, to me the better option um, but there are plenty of people who just love classic, standard, bevel down planes. The number four, the number seven, the number eight, the number Number 69. nine. You know what I'm talking about.
1: Number nine. All
0: right, so I read a bunch of those questions.
1: Oh, you did? Good job.
0: Thank you. Good job. Thank Where'd you. you
1: stop at? Corey? Uh, uh, Brian?
0: I, I Brian was the last one.
1: Okay, so Cody, Ew. not Corey. Uh, what's your recommendation for a table saw that can use a dado blade? or DIYer slash hobbyist.
0: I don't know. Yeah. I actually couldn't even tell you which ones specifically take dado blades. I imagine by the time you get to cabinet saw, just about any brand, is probably going to take a dado stack. Mm -hmm. But are there any contractor ones that take a dado stack? I'm not 100% sure on the length of the, the arbor there. So I don't know. This is a, I think the chat room is a good source for information like this. What's the, you know, reasonably priced, DIYer solution for a table saw that takes a dado stack. I don't have that answer off the top of my head.
1: You don't have the answer.
0: Surprisingly. What? It is funny though when I get questions about tools, I get emails about this stuff and messages on Instagram where people will ask me about a buying decision. That's like a rabbit hole. Like mm-hmm. once you're in it, you start like, okay, yeah. well here's the rigid. Let's compare that to is the Powermatic worth it? But unless you're in the market for buying those tools. Or it's your job to know every little change that's yeah. coming down the line. It's so hard for me to just quickly, you know, throw out an answer to something like that because I don't keep up with this stuff. Like, <laughs> unless I'm in the market for a new, new tool, I'm not going to know a whole lot about it, about the current offerings.
1: Uh, we got a few uh, super chats in. Uh, Jeremy Lopez says, thanks for the diversion. Stay safe and have a great day. You too, Jeremy. You as well, my friend uh travis uh Bar- barnes bartness uh-huh. gaming ta- gaming coffee table would ambrosia maple be okay sure yeah.
0: ambrosia maple is pretty um didn't we ask i could have sworn we had that mm-hmm. same question maybe one or two weeks ago. i don't remember someone asking about using... the
1: days and the weeks are all blending it's just day I, no yeah. monday no you like day. we had that question though it's just a day
0: yeah, and I think the answer that I gave was it could be a different person mm-hmm. coincidentally with the same question. Uh, that I think it's fine. I've got some ambrosia maple. The discoloration, it's not, it hasn't really, at least in the pieces that I had, didn't cause any like real soft spots or anything to worry about. So I think it would be fine as as long as you don't have any major issues with the material.
1: Ambrosia. Mm, have ambrosia. some of my ambrosia <coughs> salad. It's
0: delicious, Nicole. <laughs> it's, Thank
1: you. Uh, makes me think of the scene in Edward Scissorhands. Edward hands. Says
0: her hands. yes.
1: Justin Ford says, for your Netflix Tiger King subscription. And
0: <laughs> Is that Carol? Yeah, that's Carol. Very nice. <laughs> I did watch that too.
1: He watched it. I haven't watched it yet. I, I really... I don't know. Here's just, the thing.
0: The only reason anyone's talking about this is because they're stuck at home and they're bored. Yes. It's not that great. It's not It's like, weird and there's some very sad, shockingly unusual people mm-hmm. and there's things going on, but it's not that great of a documentary. <laughs> It's just, it's sad more than anything. Uh,
1: Let's see. I got another question here from uh, Stumptown Woodworks had a Patreon question. Uh, If your shop were only two car, 22 by 24 feet or so. Oh, you did? Yep. Oh, never mind. Yep, got that one. Well, there you go. Uh, How about Raleigh's question? Mm. Nope. Uh, I have several... I've heard several arguments for when to stop sanding. Some say 180, others say 220, or even 320 or higher. I know you favor 180, but can you give some examples of when to stop at 180 versus 220 or higher? P.S. Thank you uh, to you and Nicole for all that you're doing for the community. Mm-hmm. So, do you have any? Sure. Thank you.
0: You cut the compliment short.
1: Well, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't. I I don't, do t- I don't take compliments. I well. generally <laughs> cut them out of the questions
0: just because. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, like, I do like reading them. Yes. Um, you know, kind of, uh, I give you the classic spag answer. It depends. It depends. It depends on what you're doing. <laughs> a lot of times it depends on the finish. So if I'm using something like Rubio, that's a finish where they don't want you to go past 150. Well, that's crazy. I'm not going to stop at 150. I'm going to take it to 180, but I'm not going to take it to 220. There are projects where I'm using maybe a traditional oil finish, not something like Rubio, just an oil and wax. In those cases, I might sand to 220, 320. I can tell you, for the most part, across the board, while you will find people who like to sand their entire project to 320 or even higher, those people are certainly out there and they find gratification in doing that or they find results that they feel justify the extra work. I'm going to say for most of us, with most normal sets of eyeballs, Mm -hmm it's not gonna make a difference past 220, right? The only time I find it makes a visual difference past 220 is if we're talking about end grain. Sometimes you could sand that end grain a little bit higher to even out the color absorption and that tends to look a little bit nicer. Um, But for the most part, I'm speaking in generalities, with most finishes, you're kinda wasting your time sanding past 220, right? And I'm gonna probably anger a couple of people Mm -hmm. who disagree with that, feel free to disagree. Uh, But ultimately, after 220, it's a major case of diminishing returns. But again, there are some people who do a specialized thing with a specialized finish that are, you know, really, really... Specialized. Really, really specialized, Nicole. <laughs> they've got this thing down and they sand to a 1,000 grit and they swear by it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's fine. But honestly, if you put that piece next to a piece that was sanded to 220 but finished in the same way, the difference is going to be a little bit hard to see. Maybe some people will see it. Most people probably won't.
1: So I just wanted to, to thank Kevin. He posted this in our Guild Facebook group, um, but he's also mentioning it in this. He has a ton of lumber that he, if you are in West Michigan, he's given away wood for uh, the gaming coffee table. Why
0: specifically the gaming coffee table? I don't know, table?
1: but he just has a ton of wood that he's given away.
0: Was it a kit
1: or something? I don't know.
0: That it's locked I'm to a project? Sure, I don't think so. Or maybe he pre-cut the parts? I'm not sure. I'm just curious why it's specifically that.
1: So yeah, well, cool. uh, I just Good wanted to, to say thank you. Uh, to Kevin again. Super nice. All right, it's 9 it's
0: 10:30. Oh, yeah it is. We
1: have kids. Okay. We do the after show and then we got to go. Oh, there's a super chat just came in. From Robert. Aw. <laughs> Robert says
0: for the coffee fun, not bored <laughs> enough quite yet for Tiger King. Oh. Robert, you'll get there. You'll get there, you'll Robert. You'll get there my friend and then you'll be you'll you'll get all the memes and you'll understand <laughs> the jokes.
1: It's funny, I get the memes but I haven't even watched the show. I just tangentially gotten a lot of the references. You know what's
0: weird about it, though, is these are just, like, regular people. I mean, they're weird people, but they're just regular people. Like us! So when you watch this thing, and you watch it on a big TV, and you get this whole reality separation thing, because of the way that they make it so much more dramatic than it really is, it's weird to then go to this dude's YouTube channel Mm -hmm. and go back and see stuff that they put in the documentary. And it's like, it's not like you know that's a recreation it's like no here's the original video of that situation and it's still on the youtube channel it's like got a couple hundred views it's a it's very interesting and and disturbing but again the hype over this is totally overblown it's not that great it's
1: a little Uh, bit of uh, I did pick I picked the winner oh yeah I did the the random pick that's wicked sweet Charles Masters you won the the uh, project this week, mm. so I have uh, sent you a little Patreon message to let you know how you collect. Yeah, uh, and I think that's. Do we got anything else? I mean, I probably missed. I always miss stuff,
0: <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> sorry. That's all good. Okay, so
1: uh, oh, we do have a super chat that I missed. <laughs> okay. oh, uh, from Chase. Well, I feel bad when there's a super chat. Sure. Uh, what server are we starting the WoW Wood Guild for XPack? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, thank you, Chase, for reminding me because I need to thank uh, someone, Corey. Corey, you know who you are. Uh, thank you. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna go back in. I'm going back into Wow.
0: Are those codes? Yes. Oh boy. So. Well, we got the we got the laptops. Yep. I'm gonna go back into Wow. You got you got to pick a thing Nicole.
1: I'm gonna pick Wow.
0: You're making masks. You're making sourdough. <laughs>
1: I'm just all over the you're, place.
0: You're all over the map. <sighs> okay. Anyway, uh, we do have a after show. So if you are a subscriber on Patreon at any level, right? And um, you want to talk
1: more about World of Warcraft?
0: Yeah, we'll get into off-topic things. It usually uh, sways toward off-topic stuff in the after show. Um, but as soon as we stop here, I'm going to get a little drink. Maybe go pee-pee. And then, uh, and then we'll start the after show. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, hey, stay safe. Yes. I hope you guys are um, getting through this tough time right now. And, and you know what? You know what I find is helpful? Mm. What, this was, whose advice was this? Vic. Vic, right? Vic Hubbard Vic. gave some good advice. It's, it's one of those times where you could find yourself glued to news Ugh. sites.
1: Well, not even glued. They, they push it to you.
0: Well, depending. Well, you have to be on something yeah. to have it pushed to you. Yeah. But the, if you can, restrict yourself to reading the news you know, maybe for 15 minutes a day, mm-hmm. right? You just one time. He you said an hour. In. An hour is too much. An for me. hour? Who puts an hour? Well, I, I guess a lot of people do. Yeah, but
1: I can't do an hour. I'll do like 15 minutes.
0: I think that 20. it really does a lot to help your sanity to just kind of check in, see what the status of things are and then move on. Move yep. on to something else. That's that, that helps me personally. World of Warcraft. Because you just get pulled into this.
1: Animal Crossing. Tiger King. <laughs> Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Thank you for, uh, for watching everybody and we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time.
1: Bye.